0: doesn't look like it's doing anything and then all of a sudden it jumps into life. I think technology scares you, Dave, doesn't it? It, did. it does today, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, we all set? All good? Hi everybody, welcome to Cloud Realities, a conversation show about what cloud-driven transformation really means for businesses and humans. I'm Dave Chapman and we are still at reInvent, end of day three now, so we're about to head off, pack up the gear and head home. Uh, with me still is roving reporter Rob Kernahan. Hello, hello. How
1: are you doing, mate? Yeah, last one. Bit sad. Bit sad, but but relieved to be heading home. Yeah, and no pressure for him to come up with themes for every episode anymore. No. Dave, as well, Pressure's no. off. You'll be able to sleep next week. I <laughs> will,
0: <yeah. laughs> Get back to normal. Yeah, exactly. And we're delighted to say we've got uh, Hamant Sharma, Partner Solutions Architect from AWS with us this afternoon. Hi, Hamant. do you going to say hello and say a bit about yourself and yep. your role?
2: Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Uh, to all of you I am Hemant Sharma I'm dedicated partner solution architect for Capgemini I work with the uh, innovative idea with Capgemini build solution work on the opportunity deliver technical workshops and anything related to technical I work with uh, in the innovative people in Capgemini
0: cool welcome it's good to have you here yeah. and what we're going to do in this uh, in this final episode is just take a step back and have a look across the week and see what are the big themes that have sprung out to us so each day Rob has been reporting on uh, the trends in the show, and what we've done is sort of grouped them together we think into into specific sort of areas that we think are going to kind of really um, impact the uh, impact the industry over the course of the next twelve months so we're going to start with something that you may not be surprised by if you've listened to the episodes this week they are we are focused quite heavily on the people and leadership elements of cloud transformation, and we've seen that as a theme throughout the the uh, the conference itself. Um, it's something we're particularly passionate about, but what have we seen about it, Rob, this week?
1: So, uh, big conversation, especially with um, Phil, around um, lack of capability and skills. People right, needing yes. to train up, people needing to change the way they think about the skills that they have and what they need to do for the future. And then John talked about uh, general purpose tools and how there's always a lag like in the industrial revolution. Yeah. So through that, uh, how, how do you make the people feel safe as they're changing their roles in their job, psychological security, and that they're able to get access to things they need to be able to pivot and change so we can get enough capacity into the system. The other thing that's very notable is a lot of the announcements this week made it a lot easier for people to get things done. So you can spend more time on high-value activities, if you think about what we've heard, and less time doing the basics. So less burden to deliver technology and architecture. So we're making it easier for people, And we just need to double down on strong leadership to allow people to get the skills and the training they need, but make it in an environment where they can thrive and they don't feel threatened about change in their um, environment. So for me, that was the sort of key areas that, I mean, I heard and we've discussed on the podcast.
0: Indeed, and and, and this notion of of psychological safety has come a few times. We talked about it this week in, in terms of, it's like a must have to create to create creative and agile environments, because it's within those sorts of environments that people feel free and able to create and not under pressure, and actually have a safe space if something doesn't go particularly well, and use that as a learning exercise. So, Haman, does it? How, how does the, how does this theme resonate with you? What have you seen this week that's uh, caught your eye?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you on this. So, so as a uh, employer, you want your employees to be continuous enhancing your skill, right? So. Uh, giving uh, the space, uh, people that they can spend some time and you know, uh, enhance their skills. And uh, intention is one part, but uh, in AWS, you might have seen that we provide the infrastructure and the video trainings and uh, 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 testing labs where uh, people can go and learn. So intention is yes, provide the psychological uh, uh, vision, but unless and until you have the underneath an, an infrastructure for training. Uh, that you can basically find in aws right so for partners we have uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, digital online program available uh, you you can find a lot of uh, free aws services so mm. people can go and get get their hands dirty on right and as a partner solution architect we also conduct a lot of uh, labs and workshops so with these mechanism intention plus the services provided by aws that basically. Will gain the end result of a skill enhancement. Yeah, yeah,
1: that that's an excellent shout out to the free tier services. One of the big things for me is experiential learning, going and doing it on the job or mm. trying it but not having to pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, being free means it's easy, a very low bar of entry to go and try it. Fire up the nano instances, get them and and and, and see what you can do. I
0: and mean, I mean I think that, that, that point about low bar of entry is, is so important. Yeah. So critical to tap into communities that might have felt excluded by, you know, kind of very high bars to entry in in careers like this. And the other thing that resonated with me that uh, that Phil was talking about is really organizations really focusing on reskilling their existing staff. You know, just, just because, say, your data center teams don't know cloud today, doesn't mean that they can't retrain in cloud and bring all of the knowledge of your organization forward with them.
1: In fact, those are the people who you should be retrained to become platform engineers because they've got the same absolutely. type of skill. They just need to learn the new
2: tools. Absolutely. Totally with you. And these are the guys who possess the right skill. They know the enterprise architecture which they already implemented. So it gives them an edge. So if you're helping yourself by helping uh, employee learn a new skill.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. Moving on to the second major theme then for us this week. Um, it has all been around data and machine learning. Lots of innovation around the tool set on machine learning. Um, Machine learning sessions in particular, a number of our guys have been out on the floor and going to a lot of sessions, have noted just how rammed machine learning sessions are at the moment.
1: So what's going on with that, Rob? What's your observation about its popularity? So it's obviously a hot topic everyone's interested in and people can feel the potential in ML but a lot of the sessions this week have been very technically focused because people are learning the trade. They're starting to understand how it works and how to create um, the environments where they can apply it. I think over the next 12, 24 months, got to see the business and sector applications associated with these MO environments. And I mean, there's a lot out there, but yeah. um, I think it's the, I know it's a great thing, but how do I apply it to get an yeah, the, the, the
0: use case element to really bring it to life.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, I think when you get the power in that uh, in the previous podcast, we were talking about Alexa. What do I need to worry about today? Well, you know, it's the ML doing the hunting to find the interesting points, so I don't have to spend hours trawling through data. So you think about the productivity gain that yeah. it could bring for us. For and again, going back to allowing people to spend more time on high value activities, it's going to be one of the key productivity boosts we get in, in uh, business over the next few years. I think. And man, what, what
0: what's been your observations this year about the focus on data, and and more importantly. You know, kind of bringing some intelligence to using the thing in a different way, perhaps.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would just would would like to take a step back, and if you look at the past two reinvent themes, so data analytics and machine learning was one of the top tier focus point, right? And we rolled out like end-to-end machine learning pipelines and uh, rolling out uh, a single ID for machine learning, where uh, Mm -hmm. all the team can go and work as a single project. Uh, uh, Earlier, before uh, uh, SageMaker Studio, there was not a single uh, ML-based ID for right. because if you look at the lifespan of a ML project, it is basically different from a traditional uh, application uh, lifecycle. So, so we spend a lot of uh, effort and uh, energy on that. And if you look at this year, we are kind of like enhancing on those products. Like if you look look at what we rolled out this year, uh, we rolled out the machine learning governance on top of SageMaker. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. different teams mm-hmm. might be working on different data. But what we are driving now that uh, we are giving a ML governance framework where all the team can see that, okay, what is the performance of all the model deployed on the production, right? Or uh, uh, look at the uh, 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 monitoring of, of, of ML, uh, who got access to what kind of data. So all this kind of governance is basically getting deployed on that. One more side theme to ML I would like to highlight is, ML is one thing, but you need a data feed for ML, all right? And here comes the ETL part. So you might have heard this particular thing that ML is one thing, but in ML projects, seventy percent of the time goes in the ETL data cleansing, uh, right? Uh, and, right. And, and, and data augmentation.
0: M- you know, much like any other data project in history, yeah, absolutely. It's all about the quality of the data.
2: So another theme, which basically aligned with ML theme, is that reduce ETL time or automate your entire ETL, right? So if you look at what we have done this year, is basically now, uh, water data goes into Aurora. That is in zero time, it is totally available for the Redshift. Right. And whatever data is in the Redshift, it is available for the Spark. So suppose if you're running Spark on Glue or EMR, so basically you got your Spark data from Redshift and coming from Aurora.
1: And and that was one of the other themes we've discussed this week, which is integration of the services, mm-hmm. making everything available at, you know, really easily, so you reduce the friction, uh, uh, so I can get results faster out of all the platforms. And that's that maturity rise that uh, Yeah,
2: And one more thing I would like to uh, uh, mention here, Uh, you might have seen one of the announcement for INF2 instance. So all the deep learning model who uses, uh, which basically uses high compute, high memory. Mm. So we rolled out the INF1 last year, and then now INF2. So INF2 basically gives you 50% better performance per watt. Mm -hmm. So we are covering Mm -hmm. sustainability, right? Right.
0: I was going to come on the sustainability. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So INF2 provides better performance, but with a similar power consumption. And we are providing uh, more uh, tools and and capacity for our ML geeks, they can run and deploy uh, deep learning models in Inf2.
0: So let's just dwell on the the point you make about sustainability though, which is, you know, ML by its nature hugely hugely processor heavy, um, and therefore, you know, could burn more cycles and such like, so just what does Inf2 do and how
2: does it contribute to that? So Inf2 is basically, uh, uh, if you look at uh, for um, training your deep learning machine model, mm-hmm. uh, if uh, if you are not using our SageMaker, which is our managed service, right, as a ML geek, if you simply want that, okay, just give me uh, a very uh, powerhouse uh, packed uh, instance where all the uh, GPU-based instances there with a, uh, with a bri- brighter capacity. So we got Inf2. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's a GPU loaded, and uh, you can run your deep learning machine learning model, which is anyway GPU and compute heavy. So Inf2 is is a successor of Inf1, and in nutshell, if I try to compare, same wattage, but 50% better performance compared to Inf1.
0: Very good, very good. Okay, moving on to the big theme three that we picked out, which is this notion of absurd scale. So yes, obviously the cloud itself, um, you know, is has got absurd scale, but I think what we are spotting here is um, abilities to create supermassive infrastructures. Yeah. Maybe not a a single keystroke, but of a a much more simplified
1: scaling model. Absolutely. So what we, especially today, we heard that um, things that would have taken us months to prepare for, even just a few years ago, Mm -hmm. can now be done in moments. 10,000 node clusters, event-driven architectures that can answer the world's largest use cases for the world's biggest organizations. So you don't have to worry now, it's all taken care of, but also that maturity of that which is the observability of what's going on over the top. Right. When you've got these supermassive architectures, how do you know what's going on? So not only is it the ability to get that scale at pace, it's also the ability to understand what's going on. Yeah. And then when you apply it to the data point and the um, all the discovery things that are going on around using the machine to tell you what to worry about, you suddenly bring a real practicality to uh, these things can do great things and they're easy to manage, whereas normally these types of architectures were yeah, very, un- very
0: unwieldy. Yeah, 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 too
1: too hard to manage, yeah. too hard to scale, too hard to control, uh, and also costs associated with it, whereas now we get a, a, a much easier entry point into these types of um, playgrounds. Right.
0: So, Hamant, have you been seeing the same thing?
2: Absolutely. So if you look at one of the uh, features which we got rolled out in CloudWatch, so CloudWatch, as you know, is kind of like, collects log matrices, and events, right? Mm-hmm. So in this event, basically, we rolled out a new feature, CloudWatch, which basically provided visibility cross-account, cross-region, mm-hmm. right? So you might have deployed your uh, workload in mm-hmm. Singapore or in India or in the US, right? So using this particular capability, now you get the visibility of all the logs which is happening across the regions, right? Yeah. yeah. And same goes with the Grafana. So right, we ro- rolled out a couple of new features with the Grafana, uh, where uh, it's supposed to within the VPC, it got the alerting system now. so. Absolutely, uh, we are seeing more and more security and observability-related features coming out of in this arena.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and like Rob, from, from a point of view of triggering supermassive architectures, um, have you got have you got thoughts on what a case study might be, or what a use case for something like that might be?
1: So, I mean it. it This is where the imagination has to kick in about what you can do with it. But if you think about uh, retail on very large scale, massive supply chain architectures, the logistics associated with those global integrations, being able to see in real time where things are within those types of infrastructures, the physical infrastructures, can allow very large organisations to pivot quickly and make better business decisions. And, and yeah. not not only that as well. I think when you when you do apply to
0: something like supply chain, yeah, there's a huge sustainability uplift for optimising that situation.
1: Yeah, you see into it, you understand what's going on, and you can optimise. So operational excellence, yeah. which many organisations uh, will need to think about, especially in 2023, and optimization, These are the types of tools and techniques that you're going to have to apply to understand, and then you can make objective decisions you and right. not subjective ones. Yeah, so you can get the clarity you need to be able to then go and execute. But when you do execute, you can do it on scale very quickly as well. Very good.
0: So our final theme of the day is um, evolution, not revolution. I think our observation is um, it's been an important year because it's been a year of doubling down on maturity, simplifying, pulling together componentry into sort of more platform based structures um, that ultimately I think will lead to more industry cloud use cases. what else has been going on that's given us the uh, the impression that there's been nothing majorly new but a really important set of releases in terms of maturing the platform?
1: Absolutely. We've seen a maturity cycle. Um, there's still a bit of catch-up to go. We discussed about certification catch-up and consistency yeah. of interaction yeah. model. What we've seen is all the things that would trouble uh, us around the plumbing that add not little value but were necessary have been fixed for us mm-hmm. so the big thing for me is through that maturity the abstraction the ability to we discussed the uh, the thing from the marketplace deployed straight to live that would strike fear <laughs> right. into some people yeah, and joy into right. others at the beginning um these types of things the deep level of um abstraction means that uh, the high value the high value stuff can go on and that just strikes in maturity the optimization under the covers allowing yeah. us to do uh better things above and it's very clear integration data scale performance all of the things that we would want naturally have just been massively improved this year
0: I, and i think i think with um something like that it's very very aligned with what we're seeing more in, in the in the market more widely That's right so so platform architectures in particular uh, are becoming just more and more um more and more usable and more and more integratable so, moving away from built, you know, like real toolbox componentry to actually integrating a platform level.
1: Yeah, and I think in IT, uh, there's a trait where people want to reinvent the wheel a lot because yeah. it's quite good fun building the wheel in technology and rebuilding platforms. Um, the, the People are waking up, lack of skills, need to get to um, be able to go faster, get pace into my organization, that we want one platform, we want to drive consistency, and we want to go fast and focus on outcomes, which is what John was on about. And I think that there's this organizational maturity kicking in about the stop the toil and start the value work and the right. value creation work going on. And I think the sort of um, announcements we heard this week uh, are really going to enable um, these organizations to to you know faster time delivery absolutely yeah. yeah,
2: Aman sound good absolutely so uh, uh, not only we came out of with the feature which uh, uh, aligned with the evaluation but if we look at uh, we are addressing some of the common use cases like governance right so when I talk about uh, provide some governance over the ML or like one of the other mm. feature we mm. wrote out, like uh, Amazon Data Zone right so basically in an organization the think of a scenario different team might be working in silos and one team might have already done which other team is trying to do it again, right? So if if think of it as that, A, team A want to share some data with team B, which they don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So Amazon data zone is kind of like addressing that problem that you have publisher, you have subscriber, and uh, without an organizational boundaries, uh, with using the inbuilt governance model, you can share this data. So uh, it's not only the the features, but governance and the no ETL, which we talk about the automation of the ETL. So as a developer, I don't have to worry about when I'm sleeping, my data will be flowing from Aurora to Redshift, right? So it's solving mm-hmm. my problem. So next day I'll go and run whatever I do. So it's features, governance, automation, that kind of stuff working.
0: Very good. And then when you look at all of that in the round, we've got a, a focus on on people, making sure they're skilled, making sure they're psychologically safe, and becoming effective. And it's that combination of things that will drive agility, supported by increasing numbers of machine learning tools, but being driven on sustainable infrastructures or in- increasingly sustainable infrastructures, which also helps support um, ability to create super massive architectures in a much more simple, straightforward, and I-, I assume highly likely to be automated ways. And then finally, across the entire platform, a drive to simplify, a drive to sort a drive to make it more usable. Um, and, and and again, I guess that's going to play into the agility piece. So, what have we missed, Haman, from you going looking around? Have we missed anything, Key?
2: Uh, we didn't miss it actually. But if I look at from a different angle, so as I mentioned that uh, for Amazon, data analytics and ML was always uh, front uh, on the frontier, right? But uh, on top of that, there is one more trend. If you look at the serverless. Uh, piece right mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. data analytics and machine learning. So if you if you can recall the last reinvent, we rolled out a lot of serverless applications in data and analytics, right? So uh, Amazon EMR, uh, Redshift, and managed service of Kafka. And I can see the same thing is kind of like driven in this reinvent also. We rolled out OpenSearch as a serverless application. Right. So right. that that's the only probably piece I would say that going along with the data analytics. Yeah. There has been a
1: maturity um, lift again in the serverless and the serverless architectures we do
2: and in fact serverless
1: architecture will probably in the next 12-24 months come of age and we'll see a much higher level of adoption inside major enterprises. I think there's it's been in the market long enough for people to get a feel so that we don't get the clash of the asynchronous and the synchronous architectures causing issues and people are getting more used to designing um, systems that work using serverless. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that brings us to a bit of a conclusion on that. But before we leave the conversation, I always wonder about your
1: personal highlights. So I always love coming to Vegas, bright lights, big city. Yeah. But I also love picking up my boarding pass and getting on the plane (laughs) and going home because it really does take out of you. The energy at this place is amazing, but it's very intense. And it's been a hard week, but it's been a good week. That moment of deep comfort when the the plane pushes back
0: from the terminal and starts to taxi. It's like that is the most relaxing moment of the week. Hey man, what about you? Personal highlight?
2: Yeah, so the first thing that it's my first reinvent and first time I've been. Today. This is your first
0: reinvent? Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely. did not know that.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well,
0: so what are your impressions then?
2: It's it's huge. It's humongous, and uh, look at the motivation and the end to people carry. Right. Right. So right. When the innovation is in the air. We can clearly see that, and you talk to a lot of people, and then you find a lot of connections, and things roll out yeah. in your favor. I have a couple of occasions. And probably I'll tell you after. Uh, after this. <laughs> But, and second thing being a being, uh, techie, I love uh, the Amazon data zone. Right, uh, right. That solves a governance problem. People don't know what's going on in their own organization. So that's a kind of like pick for me.
0: Very good. And for me, the, the, the highlight really is actually where we've spent most of the week, which is the expo floor. So the, the expo floor to me has just, has been so vibrant and energetic this year. It, it hasn't, it's felt more like a festival, I think, than a, a, a sort of a trade show and um what i love about it is it's like it almost represents a microcosm of the industry itself you know so you so you look around you can see things changing the whole time like year on year there's like companies that go away companies that get added there's there's an amazing amount of new stuff in the in the hall this year i think there's a lot about platform abstraction still like lots of things going on that are helping build platforms that's that's probably I, you know, I always have a bit of doubt about platform abstraction, but we'll leave that for another podcast. <laughs> but there's a, there's a bunch of the third parties doing that at the moment, I think. Yeah. But anyway, yes, the expo, connecting with people has just been amazing. Like I've seen so many people here that I haven't seen since last reInvent probably. So look, we like to end the show um, by asking our guests what you're excited about doing next.
2: So for me, I think I would see more uh, emphasis and focus on... Uh, like evolution part, right? Uh, uh, I think uh, data analytics serverless would be there, but uh, I am really happy the way the governance piece is being addressed now and the automation need here. So I would also like to see more evolution part in next reInvent also along with the big uh, couple of big uh, uh,
0: announcements. Brilliant. I thought you were going to say go home. <laughs> very, very good answer. Very well, well done. <laughs> Look, so thanks, Hermann. It's really good to see you and thanks for taking the time to do it. A lot of fun. Same, same thanks here. for your insights. Thanks a lot for having me here. Yeah, a pleasure. Rob what an amazing job you guys have done this week
1: oh and I'd just like to make a, a shout out for Sam Price and John Ogden who have been uh, supplying me with lots of intel and insight and attending you the said sessions. you were the roving well you know <laughs> okay. there may have been a small team working with me yeah and, uh, <laughs> well they've done an amazing done a job, great fe- job fe- feeding us yeah, so thank you guys. yeah fe- th- thanks
0: so much guys feeding us with the information that has allowed us to try and paint a picture of it so quickly like you know the show's barely even finished yet there's,
1: there's so much scale to this place to try and capture the essence yeah. of it um, it's been a tough uh, call for those guys but they've done a fantastic job Yeah, exactly
0: i want to thank uh, marcel ben and the production team for all of the support and the work that's gone into this week Ch- turning the episodes around quickly is no mean feat and that has been great so thank you very much for that um, we are on linkedin give us a follow and next week we'll be back to our regular thursday release slot so do join us next week uh, where we'll be looking at um, the evolution of or the the digitalization of the marketing industry. Um, we will see you in another reality then.